la 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 me 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 I think they're also in front of Congress testifying right now about Instagram and teenagers and, and warping people's minds. Well, anyway, this is just like all like creative navel gazing here. While he's like crapping on Apple store stuff. Podcasting has a brand problem. I'll be looking at you, bro. Sidewalk before I say something stupid. Yeah, I like money. Oh, man. Walkie dokie. Oh, buddy. What have we gotten ourselves into? Hey guys, welcome back to the Results Junkies podcast. Paul and I are strapped into our desk today. We're looking at what Facebook is saying about Apple's changes over in the EU, which we talked about last week on the show, and some numbers from Spotify and Joe Rogan. You know, I'm, I've always been interested in podcast economics, mostly because I, I just I haven't quite figured out how to make the hundreds of millions off of a podcast like Joe Rogan has just yet. But, <laughs> It's such a it's such an I interesting one. Yeah, well, he has. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, he might be the only one. But podcast economics have always interested me because it's such a very different form of conversion, which you and I have have figured out here, Paul, over the last hundred episodes or so. I mean, when I see when I when I see some of the amount of money some of these people are making, I question my own career choices sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, how you been? Good, I've been good, and I—I'll I, be honest. I, like I was, and we'll talk about it more in detail in a second. I was surprised by the the headline Joe Rogan numbers, which we'll talk about um, in a bit. So, but yeah, things have been good. You know, I still like—I don't think we'll talk about it this week, but I still want to talk more. Like I'm—I've been maybe we talk about it next week because because I think we got one more episode before we get to South Dakota. Because this won't go live yes. this week. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So I, I, there's this question in my head. It's like, and this isn't about South Dakota specifically, but you and I talked about that neither one of us has written a check into a new venture in months. And so it's like, I, I got this question and let, let, maybe let's talk about it next week. But like, what is it like, what is it we're waiting for? Like, what are we looking for? What's, you know, what's, what's that company? And I, and I couldn't answer it myself. I want some more time to think about it, but I'm, I'm curious what it would take for me to write a check today. Well, my gut reaction, and again, just speaking for me here, I suppose, is I think I think it's the fear of, see, I don't know how to say this without sounding horrible, but for me, it's been like, I'm not, I may not be writing checks into new companies, at least over the last couple months, but it's not to say that I'm not actually moving money around into different investment assets. Sure. And so, so it's really about the asset class as opposed to, like, I guess what I'm just trying to say in a poorly articulated way is that it's not that the quality of deal flow or anything like that's gone down. It's that the yield in other asset classes is much more stable. And stable is not the right word, but much more good. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Let's well, let's put a pin in that. And we'll talk more about it later. Because I, I, I have I have thoughts on it, lots of them. But I want to I want to I want to I want to bake a little bit. It turns out that you know making money as an investor is kind of fun as long as you're making money. <laughs> yeah, no, I like money. That's the like, asterisk you got to put as long yeah. as you're making money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if you're just tuning in, show com is how you get a hold of us. Uh, he is at Paul Singh on all those social media channels. I am at Pizza in Motion. And um, we are approximately, with Joe Rogan's new $250 million deal, um, I have checked the records. We are $250 million behind him in sponsorship deals for the podcast. Correct. Yes. Yep. Yes. Uh, just a rounding error behind him. <laughs> approximately, approximately. So just to put this in, in perspective, a couple of things. I think there are a couple of things that are interesting here. And one of them goes to one of your favorite topics, distribution. 
So when Joe Rogan signed his last deal, which was about four years ago, he signed a $100 million deal with Spotify. And at the time, they took the show, for lack of a better term, they took the show private, meaning you had to listen on Spotify. It was still free to listen. You didn't have to be a paid member of Spotify, but they weren't distributing the show on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or any of the other you know, popular platforms that are out there. And I think you and I are good examples of an older demographic that both use Apple Podcasts to listen to our podcasts. And so there's obviously a big chunk of the audience that doesn't listen to Spotify. I mean, I have a paid Spotify subscription, but I don't listen to podcasts there. And I don't think you do either. Mm -mm, I don't. Dana uses Spotify for music. And if she's listening to podcasts, I think she that like if she sends me a link, it's usually a Spotify link. Mm-hmm. But I just, I got nothing against Spotify. I just like yeah. the, the the native aspect of Apple Podcasts. Yeah, I agree. And I think, so a couple of things. One, I do use Spotify to send people links because it's platform agnostic. So when I want to send somebody the, the podcast, I do send it to them in Spotify. I like the ability to download the episodes or have them downloaded on a regular basis, which is why I prefer the Apple and the, the Google model. But what's interesting here is that with with Joe Rogan, which... I mean, not even arguably, it's, it's, it's got to be the, the highest grossing podcast in the world. Yeah. And they, you know, Spotify, there's been a lot of stuff in the news. I mean, uh, you know, not mainstream news, if you will, because podcasting is not necessarily mainstream from a revenue standpoint. But there's been a lot of news and bits and pieces that Spotify got this big bet on podcasts wrong. And that the walled garden that they had built was not the right approach. And I think we're seeing that in that uh, Joe Rogan's the second really big podcast on Spotify, along with another show called Call Her Daddy, which you noted was a barstool acquisition and a very popular podcast about female sexuality. These two shows, very different shows, were both walled garden shows on Spotify. And Call Her Daddy is already back out in the wild. I saw, I saw that come up in the pod news newsletter that I read on a daily basis. And now this deal with Joe Rogan says, and I'll, I'm reading from part of the, the press release here, it says Spotify will sell ads for and distribute the Joe Rogan experience across several podcast platforms, including in a video format on YouTube, the company said Friday. Under his previous deal, the show was exclusive to Spotify. This is interesting to me in the context of, uh, or from the perspective of, you know, I think we've all known as Spotify as that, that music app. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're, that's, that's kind of what their brand is known for. Sure. And this is probably one of the biggest splashes and one of, maybe even one of the first splashes they've made where they're kind of not being shy about becoming a media company. Like they don't, they're not limiting it just to Spotify. They're, they're saying we own Joe Rogan's voice now and we own it. You're going to hear it everywhere, including Spotify. And that's kind of what a media company does, right? It is. But I think the interesting thing here is I think what they tried to do was they tried to be a one a one stop shop platform. So come to us for all of your media consumption, maybe similar to like a YouTube TV. And and now they're 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 pivoting out of that model saying we're almost almost like a production house. I mean, clearly they have lots of things they don't own that they just stream from the music standpoint. Um, but they're saying that on on shows that are either own, wholly owned or partially owned by them, that they're turning it more into a production house versus like the Netflix approach of, hey, we made this new movie with people that you know, superstars, but we're only distributing it on our platform. Like Netflix doesn't, as far as I know, doesn't distribute those Netflix originals anywhere else. But so, so, so here, here's the thing, like 
Is it possible, and I'm going to say this assertively, but it's genuinely a question. We're talking about Spotify, we're talking about Netflix, you know, isn't it possible that both of these companies, as we know them today, will continue to evolve just like regular TV over the last couple of years? Like, in other words, I remember a time when I was growing up where Star Trek, the next generation was only available on whatever channel 20 was when I was a little kid. And then eventually it went into syndication and you could see it on like five different channels at different times, you know, and, mm. and, and so it went into syndication. Like it wasn't just, oh, it's on Paramount or whatever. And right. so like, isn't it possible, like today we know Netflix as, you know, if you want to see a Netflix backed movie, it's on Netflix, but isn't it possible at some point that, you know, they're going to keep their, their, their produced movies initially on their platform and then eventually syndicate them elsewhere as a possible way to get more exposure for Netflix and bring people back. Kind of like what Spotify is doing now. Like, you know, look at the top of this episode, you and I just cavalierly talked about the fact that switching podcast apps is not something we're interested in. That's basically what you and I said at the beginning. Yeah. No, I've tried other platforms and I came back to the the dinosaur that I am at Apple. Yeah. Change is hard. You know, like I, this is what founders, this is what a lot of founders don't get. They say they want to change the world. People don't want to change. You know, we, right. we like what we like. We don't want to change until we do. Until we do. Right. You right, can't right. make me change, but I've right. got to, I have to choose. And so Spotify, I think it's kind of a big cultural shift for them probably to make this change from, hey, we paid Joe Rogan $100 million to keep him on Spotify's app. And then I bet there was a hard set of conversations originally of like, hey, did we actually get $100 million worth of, you know, new accounts and stuff? That's a lot of subscriptions at whatever, 15 bucks a month. Right. And then now it's like on the flip side, it's like, well, let's, let's, let's double down on the media side. Turns out Joe Rogan's voice is valuable, but maybe it's not Spotify paid subscriptions anymore. We're just going to sell the ads wherever that thing gets syndicated out to. So I'm not articulating that very well, but it's, it's interesting, right? It's like, it's sort of this evolution of, you know, Spotify. Can you imagine can you imagine like 15 years ago? I don't even know how old Spotify is, but I remember thinking of Spotify as a music app. And I remember like stuff, you know, when, when TechCrunch or whoever used to write about them there, you know, people would talk about like what they pay the musicians, like that was what they were known for. Um, and now all of a sudden they're throwing around big numbers like this, which actually, you know, now that I think about it, I I don't, I don't mean to throw a curveball at you. I wonder if there are equal or larger deals like this already in play, but just not disclosed publicly because maybe the companies are privately held. Like for example, SeatGeek, I mean, you probably, you know, SeatGeek, SeatGeek filed for their IPO in, in April of this year, of last year, 2023. So speculation is, is, uh, you know, that they may go public sometime this year. Right. And I'm no rocket scientist, but you know, I hear them advertise, they seem like they're the exclusive advertiser on Travis and Jason Kelsey's podcast. Mm. I can't imagine that's cheap, especially now with the whole Taylor Swift kind of connection as well. So is it $250 million? Probably not, but it's more than a couple million, I bet. So anyway, I think this whole space is really fascinating to me because I, I think I've said to you before, I think podcasting, to put it really simply, I think the reason why podcasting hasn't taken off is because that word, like, what's a podcast? Like, I don't, right. you know, like, my mom doesn't know what a podcast is, but she likes certain shows on the radio. Right. 
Right. Podcasting has a brand problem. I do think podcasting has a brand problem, no question, because I think what Joe Rogan does and what, um, gosh, I don't want to, I want to recognize her name because I do think she's a very visionary content creator. Alex Cooper, who's called her daddy, and then Travis Kelsey and his brother. I think these folks are, you know, I mean, it's not necessarily like Good Morning America, but it's it's that sort of show. They're they're you know they're hosting sort of that town square television, if you will. It's just not television, and that gets back to content and and how it's morphed. And I think, interestingly enough, just to loop back on something that you said, I looked it up and. Spotify launched their first product in 2010. Wow. They formed in 20, 2006, but they, they launched, it's surprising enough, I didn't realize this, they launched first in the UK. So they've, they've had a, a bunch of different twists and turns, but to your point about, you know, th- this, you know, like your mom doesn't know what a podcast is, but she watches shows, you know, I mean, like my wife watches Good Morning America. Sometimes she watches, you know, whatever, Kelly Clarkson show I see on sometimes, things like that. And the only difference in those is the channel that they're distributed in. Right. These these deals, the Joe Rogan, the you know, the Alex Cooper, the Travis Kelsey, they're controlling their own distribution. I have no idea if that's more or less profitable for them. It's just a different model, quite frankly. When you when you see big numbers like this, though, particularly in the podcasting category, which I I think is not as big as radio and all those other things, but. When you see a quarter billion dollars on a deal like this, I think it speaks to the fact that there are a lot of dollars still available to be spent on brand marketing. Sure. Maybe even performance marketing. I mean, however you, you know, depending on what they sell, you know, in terms of the ad inventory. But the point is, though, is that like, you know, we talked about iOS 14 and the shift on paid marketing or pay-per-click marketing, you know, as uh, you know, that started three, four years ago now. Those dollars continue to have to be spent somewhere. You know, so I don't know. I think, I guess what I'm just saying is, is that like, I don't, I don't think it's accidental that, that, that podcasting dollars are rising like this. Like I imagine if we were to plot out the, you know, annual advertising spend on the podcast category on the whole, I bet it's been up and to the right for the last couple of years, but it's probably gotten steeper. That curve has gotten steeper and steeper over the last three to four years as it became harder to deploy money in other, you know, channels. So I don't know. I, maybe I'm just super bullish on, on, on podcasting, I suppose, but yeah. Well, more importantly, it's, uh, you talked about the money that, that's out there to be spent. And I think that's the thing. It's like, you're not necessarily even really talking about podcasting per se. And I think, you know, good examples are, you know, you mentioned SeatGeek and Travis Kelsey. I mean, like easy to see the crossover there, sports fans talking about how to, how to get seats to the next game. You know, I, I, you know, I think when you think about those deals and how they're structured, you do cut through a lot of the red tape. I've got, I've, I've had some paid sponsors on my travel podcast, Miles to Go, and you know, I mean, they're very organic conversations. Do I believe in the brand? Do I want to talk meaningfully about the brand? Do, you know, is it something that I want to use? Is it something my, I think my listeners would use? And then we go, and and we're, you know, we're out to market with it. But it can be very quick and very topical. And I think that's, you know, I mean, like. I, I don't listen to the Seat Geek ads on Travis Kelsey's show, but I mean, like, obviously they could change that read for last week it was about the NFC Championship game and next week it's going to be about the Super Bowl. And that, that could pivot very quickly for just-in-time marketing. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but, you know, I know we're going to record an episode while we're in Sioux Falls in two weeks. Um, yeah. <clears throat> it might be interesting to actually have Matt Paulson 
join us for that. Matt from Sioux Falls, because I'm curious how he would he would talk about this, mostly because when you look at some of his content that he's been putting out there, right. um, a lot of it has to do with the fact that so so he is not secretive about how he makes money for his company, Market Beat. Sure. But one of uh, like one of his as you were talking, one of his most recent social media posts came to mind where he basically said he doesn't do any mm-hmm. brand marketing. So MarketBeat does like tens of millions of dollars a, a year. He's a bootstrapped company, team of 13 mm-hmm. in Sioux Falls. And so in this post, he said something to the effect of, we don't do any brand marketing. It's all affiliate. Everything's affiliate. I, I think it'd be interesting to just kind of, maybe we'll, maybe we'll regret saying this. What? Who knows? I, I think he listens to the podcast. <laughs> but anyway, Matt, here we well, go. Here, here's, how, here's how we'll know he listens to the podcast. I will, re, I will reemphasize that. There you go. There is, there will be no quiche in South Dakota before there are donuts. So just, just to, <laughs> to lay the groundwork for that. He might fight you, <laughs> but the, um, you know, but the thing is, I'd be curious how he would monetize this. So, so like, for example, when you just talked about like monetizing a podcast, you know, is, is a, is a sponsor, somebody you would use and all that stuff. I'd be curious, you know, if Matt, Matt's not an agent, right? But let's just say Matt was representing you in that hypothetical scenario, I wonder how Matt would think about that. You know, like, like I wonder if the dollars are wildly different for, you know, brand marketing versus affiliate. And I'm sure they, I know they are, but anyway, it might be a fun kind of conversation of what the dollars look like. Um, yeah. And I think, I mean, for what it's worth, I think, I do think there are shows that work better with certain types of marketing. I like, I mean, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. You know, it's like take SeatGeek as an example. I mean, and I know you're not like the biggest sports fan in the world, but why you got to do me dirty like that, man? Don't make me tell the hockey story. <laughs> Just don't make me tell the hockey story. Oh yeah, I can't live that down. No, you really can't. <laughs> so you know, I mean, it, like once the Super Bowl happens in call it ten days or you know less than that when this episode drops, it'll be a handful of days before after this episode drops. There's sort of a lull in the sports calendar. You know, basketball playoffs don't start until call it June. Baseball season's kind of sort of getting ramped up, pitchers and catchers, things like that. But SeatGeek doesn't have a whole lot to sell in terms of inventory. They don't have football. They've got hockey and basketball, which, you know, are, are something. But I mean, the NFL drives a ton just in terms of their ratings are the biggest. You know, baseball, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, baseball's got interest, but I mean, it's a 162-game season. So, I mean, it's spread over a long period of time. So if they're advertising on Travis Kelsey's podcast, this week, next week, whatever, that's really going to be more awareness marketing because it's unlikely somebody's going to be like, oh, I got to get my tickets for that baseball game seven weeks from now. Let me click right now. And yeah. so I do think there's there's crossover there. Whereas like, I, I don't know, I'm trying not to make this a political comment. I don't listen to Joe Rogan's show. I've heard some of his views and just decided it's not something I want to tune into. <laughs> but I do listen to a wide variety of podcasts. And I have listened to Alex Cooper's Call Her Daddy. And I think it's interesting in that it's a show centered around female sexuality, but they do a really good job from an advertiser standpoint of finding things that, that their audience also engages with, whether it's coupons, like they had a, a handful of like the, the coupon extension sort of sites were sponsors from them for a, of, of her show for a long time. And I think that those are things that Spotify saw. I think what Spotify saw in, I mean, if you think about, if you think about like when we've been you know abroad as a tech company, I mean, there are certain things that most investors won't touch. And generally speaking, sex is one of them. I mean, if you think about, this goes back you know, three or four years ago when there was a bunch of like sex ed tech uh, on the floor of CES, 
And then they gave, you remember, they gave an award to a woman who had um, put out a toy that was for female pleasure. And then they revoked the award before the show. And it was this huge. I forgot about that. Yeah. 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 I remember that. Controversy. It was like this yep. big, like, oh my gosh, we don't want to talk about that. And so, you know, Spotify like leaned heavily into this by investing heavy into the Caller Daddy show. And I think they, because they saw that as an area of growth for advertising dollars platform. At the end of the day, I don't remember what, what Alex Cooper's numbers are like, but I mean, they're big. And so if you, if, even if you say they're half or a third of what Joe Rogan's pulling in, to your point, what you mentioned earlier, they believe they can make money on these deals or yes. that whatever the losses are on the deal, it brings them enough awareness. So they're not, they're not going to lose a quarter billion dollars on Joe Rogan. Maybe some of it's a quote unquote investment in marketing, but it's not a quarter billion dollars of investment. Exactly. There yes. are some returns. Look, that's, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, the, the thing is, is when you own the entire ad inventory on those, on those shows, your worst case scenario is that the remnant ad slots are used for your own brand. So in other words, right. you know, uh, I'm sure that I'm sure that when they like model out all of the available ad slots and, and st stuff like that for Joe Rogan and, and anybody else that they're with, the best slots are going to be reserved for probably their own brand, you know, for right. Spotify to talk about it. And then everything else is for sale. Right. And by the way, I looked up the numbers. So we had Joe Rogan's old deal in 2020 was 100 million. Alice Cooper's deal in 21 was for 60 million. And so her deal will come up soon because it was a three-year deal. So I'll be interested to see what the numbers are on that deal when it comes up. I still think, like when we talk about, I used this comment right before we hit the recording button about uh, the barbell, you know, like the vast majority of money spent in this world is spent on a very small handful of shows. Very yes. small. And then the, the well, yeah. scraps for everybody else are like, I went and looked at the YouTube monetization stats. So if you get to whatever the numbers are, a thousand subscribers and 4,000 hours of content listened in the past, whatever, you're essentially making like five or 10 bucks per 1,000 viewers of your show. N hmm. Not a lot of money. So yeah. the money yeah. is in these very, very large deals that are incredibly popular magnets. Joe Rogan, Alex Cooper, you know, Travis Kelsey. Well, the, but the, I mean, is that surprising? I mean, we've talked about no. the idea that the world is actually driven by the power law, not, not normal mm -hmm. distribution. So your choice, and this is probably true as a podcaster, as a entrepreneur, like, it, it, like what I'm about to say, I think applies to every part of your professional career is that you either need to go wide or you need to go ultra narrow and deep. Anything in between those two is not worth a whole lot. In other words, you know, Joe Rogan, you said yourself, you don't listen to him. I, I right. don't either. Right? Uh, right. Now we're only right. two guys, but the reality is, is enough enough of a valuable audience to a particular advertiser like Spotify exist. Right. Even with Call Her Daddy, like, you know, I haven't listened to the show, but, you know, based on how you described it, like, I, I, and I'm making this up, but like, you know, that audience is probably worth nothing to the va that vast majority of advertisers, but it's worth a lot of money to anybody that wants to reach the specific, specific demographic that she has. I mean, that's not rocket science. You know that, right? For but, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think, but I think on that, on that vein, when you talk about this, this, you know, this power law, it, it's also interesting to me at the same time that we're talking about the power law that we're talking about a company as big as Spotify coming to this realization and pivoting out of this Walt Garden model. 
and that they're they're now saying, oh. all right, we need to be a distribute. We need to be more of a distribution house, not a not a destination, if you will. That, and that's my point. Is like this is a huge step in that direction. Like it's that's a, right. that's that's the important bit. Because the other side of this, by the way, is that you know their market cap today, at the time we're recording this, their market cap right now is about forty three billion dollars. So that's in it. the grand scheme of things, you know, two hundred fifty mil that's spread out over a couple of years is probably a dent for them. But the, the point still remains that the bigger thing here is the not so subtle shift to becoming a media company. Right. And I think we're going to see more of this because the reality is that like consumer behavior change is really hard. Mm-hmm. And, and this walled garden strategy, it, it's really hard. That is like a really hard thing to do, yeah. you know, especially as the, as the competition rises. So, yeah. um, Anyway, I, I just find this thing so interesting. Like this whole podcasting category is just so fascinating to me. You know, the, the barriers are lower to get in. I don't need a radio studio. You don't need a radio studio, either, you know, but just on the flip side. Gear right back there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've got a bunch of expensive paperweights that you haven't used yet, but. <laughs> I'm using a couple of them. You can see a little light up there, but yeah, I have, I'm not, not using the very expensive paperweight. Thank you to Charlie for recommending the, the Sony FX30 that needs to get hooked up so you guys can see a better, like anybody needs to see a better quality image of me, but they will. I, I, there's something ironic of having a an amazing camera sitting there ready to be used that you showed me through a less than stellar camera that whatever you it's have right story. now. <laughs> it's a true story. And I can't take a picture of the camera I am using, but it's a Logitech $70 webcam. And it's, it's fine, but it has its limitations. It I love it. I love it. Man, you know, uh, one constant in our lives is that we pick so many things to talk about on every episode. Today, we were like, oh, we can talk about four things, and we haven't even gotten through the first one yet. <laughs> no, we haven't. And there were a bunch of really good, there are a bunch of really good things to talk about. The other thing that we talked about that we wanted to try and touch on today is sort of Facebook's reaction to Apple's new rules overseas. And we talked last week, Apple essentially, you know, they opened up the path for alternative app stores, if you will. And there were a set of restrictions on what it would take to to be able to qualify. And Mark Zuckerberg, on a day where... The only thing about these comments that surprised me is on a day where I think they're supposed to be doing their own sort of like humble brag because they've declared their first dividend and the stock price is going up and all this stuff, he's calling out Apple. And he's calling out Apple for saying that the essentially that the, that the new rules are so onerous that he that he doesn't think any developer will will opt into them and it's like all right i mean i understand facebook has a paid model and so they there's there's friction there between facebook and apple i'm getting ahead of myself and and not letting you go first but i i these comments struck me as a little bit cheeky because i think they're also in front of congress testifying right now about instagram and teenagers and and warping people's minds while he's like crapping on apple doorstep well, you, you know, you, you and I talked about this, I think, two or three weeks ago on the podcast. And, you know, I was a little cynical when that, that Apple announcement came out. And, and, you know, I'm like, who's going to pay for this? Why would somebody put a million bucks up to start another app store or whatever? And you, you made some really good points. But, you know, since then, one of the things I came to realize is that, like, Apple, if you take the optimistic view here, Apple just wants to protect the, you know, the end user from, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, new stores that are just only going to be around for a little while. So, but, but the next thing there is, is like, maybe this, this whole model was not designed for individuals like you and I, it was actually maybe designed for 
you know, larger companies to step in, you know? So for example, anyway, this is just like all like creative navel gazing here, but you know, I started to think like, when you think about like, do you know who Axel Springer is? I don't. Okay. So Axel Springer is the, like, is a company based out of, I believe, Berlin. I used to go spend mm. a lot of some time there when I was active at, at 500. So Axel Springer owns a lot of media brands and I can't okay. think of any right now, but they own like newspapers here in the US and all across the EU and stuff like that. And maybe this is a bad example, but it's the only one I can come up with in the moment. But it's like, I could see, I can't see somebody like you and I forking over, you know, a line of credit or anything like that. Like the idea of setting up a two-way marketplace, trying to woo more developers, that is not something I think that an individual takes on. But I could absolutely see companies or brands like Axel Springer or other corporations actually set up their own app stores. I mean, look, we talked about something in a similar vein the other day where we said, you know, newspapers are being held up. Or no, it was the New York Times. The New York Times reported that like its games division is what's really holding it up. Right. So if there was a New York Times in the EU and games were really where it was at, is it conceivable that they might be interested in setting up their own shop or whatever the right term is, you know, and then distributing their own games exclusively in there? I'm making this up. It's total conjecture, but, you know, back to what you said about, you know, the topic here, like, yeah, it's kind of weird that, you know, Zuckerberg took a minute to say something about this, you know, when he's, when he's got a lot of other things going on, that's kind of weird. Glass houses. Yeah. (laughs) Glass houses. Yeah. But I think the more interesting sort of angle here is just that, that like further thinking about what this means for the EU. Now, I think it's more likely, I mean, you and I talked about this, like it's more likely that that, that model may follow over here eventually. I, I don't see so, the EU Yeah, something it. like it. Yeah, something that rhymes with it. Yeah, and, and either way, it could be brands that do it. So, I don't know. It, it's evolving. Let's just see how it kind of works out. But here's the thing. Doesn't, we talk, oh yeah, we did talk about this like a week or two ago, but like something like this, the pressure is already there. Like you, you talk, you brought up a couple examples last month or last week when we talked about this, that there are a bunch of apps that I use every day that I didn't even realize that I can't download from the Apple app store. And Uh, and by the way, like, I think we never really put this bow on it, but I think if you think about that discussion last week, neither one of us was really that affected by the fact that we couldn't download those from, download those from the app store. We still, yeah. we still found a way to, to get all that stuff without a problem. It wasn't a big deal. That's right. That's right. It, it really is. It's really just the mobile device. It's much more firmly gated than the laptops that causes that sort of issue and stickiness. And that may, may be, it may be more related to like economic. I mean, you and I walk around with like MacBook pros, but that may not be something that other, you know, countries given the exchange rate can afford. And maybe it's an iPhone that is the primary device they're using. So yeah, anyway, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because it's probably a a harbinger of what's to come here eventually. Yeah. And I I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. I was trying to Google it real quick, but I like laptops are obviously a very small part of what Apple does in terms of number of units off the shelf. And I think the world is driven much more by smartphones than by laptops. But I think it's also a, I think it's a sign that there is this tension, if you will, between brands and distribution. And that you right now there are, I don't necessarily say that few is the right word, but maybe that the distribution side of the business is underserved. And this goes back to the joke that you made last week about Circuit City was our distribution model back in the day. Yeah. Crazy Eddie, if you're my age. And, and now it's, you know, the distribution it, pipes are very different. But they're also still fairly limited because most people do distribute through those app stores. 
It's become much more centralized. And now we're starting to see a, a slow move back to some level of decentralization. Maybe not quite the, you know, you go visit every each, each random website for the product you want to buy and download it, but that there is some level of decentralization. And whether that's because companies like it more or it's because they're trying to find a way to put pressure on Apple to change their model, I would believe it's the latter, but I'm not sure. I, I think yeah. ultimately, I think companies would be fine and would actually probably prefer having one sing- single distribution point, but they right. can't fade the you know the 20 or 30% rake that Apple wants to charge. Right, right. The business right, model right, breaker, right. especially when we're talking about in what's been something of a recessionary environment for the past couple of years, most of the companies that we um, have investments in that are license-based or seat-based sort of things have seen those numbers shrink. As employees have gotten laid off, they need less Slack and Microsoft and Zoom licenses because they have less employees. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Huh. Well, actually, let me, let me, I, this could go long if we talk about that. That's, that's an interesting, we should probably talk about that like at length at some point because we should, but yeah, we're going to, we're going to go long today, but yeah. I was going to say, I'm going to hit the wall in time here a little bit. So <laughs> you uh, are, yeah. I, it's hard for me to hold back. <laughs> I know it is. I know it is. We'll hold back and we'll put a pin and we'll talk about that in terms of seat license shrink and, and, and all the other stuff that goes along with it when we when we strap these microphones on again in a few days. I love it. Well, are you traveling between now and Sioux Falls at all? Or are you are you homebound? I am. I am. If you'll remember, this is my emergency Disney trip, as one does. I think you just call them emergency Disney trips to justify it. I, I, or, or maybe you're trying to not make me feel bad. I, I don't know. I think I torment you. I think it's. I think it's. I think. I think. I feel like if I call it that, you'll roll your eyes, and then when you when you shut the camera off, you'll be like, "Damn it, I'm not going to Disney." <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think the only the only thing I can say back to you is is uh, I've helped you double your email collection rate in the last couple of days, which isn't saying much because because <laughs> it was pretty pathetic before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the only thing I can get you back on. So enjoy your emergency Disney trip while I fix your email capture rate. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's got to do it, and you are just the man to do it. I guess. Yep. So one more one more episode in the uh, in the land of Virginia before we record in South Dakota. And if you are listening and you are planning to be in South Dakota and you have some video skills, we could really use somebody to do a video version of the podcast so that you don't have to just listen to Paul and I that week. All that and uh, and a whole lot more when we get strapped into the what look looking to be like not too brutally cold weather in South Dakota. Anything can change. Anything can happen in the next two weeks. We'll see. Come on, man. Don't jinx us. Don't jinx us. All right. All right. All right, buddy. Well, I got to run to another call here, but I am looking forward to seeing you next week. And hopefully I'll have that email fixed a little further for you as well. That'll be fun. I'll be the guy in the window seat tapping you on the shoulder whenever I need to get up to use the restroom. All right. Let's leave it there. (laughs) (laughs) Take it easy. All right, buddy. See ya. Preceding was produced in association with Crooked Path Productions.